Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We got a beautiful show. We got some beautiful hosts. We got a beautiful game. We got taste. We got some beautiful chats. We got some beautiful stats. And we won't stop talking. We won't give it a rest. And as a matter of fact, it's time to get it off our chests. Welcome to another edition of County Cricket Matters. And this week it's an outground special. We've got outground games from Scarbados. We've got outground games from Southport, from Merchant Tailors. And could this be the last one if there's a, a shortage of, of county games next year has, has been mooted around? This could be the last year that there's ever a load of outground cricket. I'm delighted to be joined this week. Annie's away. Annie's uh, not well at the moment. Sam's in meetings. And I am delighted to be joined by BBC Newcastle correspondent and Durham aficionado, Martin Emerson. Martin, welcome to County Cricket Natters. Dusty Dan, nice to see you. How are you? Oh, I'm very well, mate. I'm very well. All the better. I, for, I, hope, uh, I hope you're not feeling dusty today. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's great. You know, we, we've got sort of, we've we've had a lot of, uh, as they say, southern bias on the show. And, you know, I'm trying to do what Boris Johnson promised and never actually sort of materialised. And I'm trying to level up here by inviting uh, a northern correspondent on. So uh, it's great to have yeah, you on. Can, can you just speak? Can you speak a little bit more slowly and clearly? It's that southern accent. I can't quite pick up on what you're saying. <laughs> anyway, let's crack on. Let's go straight into the games. And let's start at Scarborough, where there was an absolute arse nipper between Yorkshire and Surrey. 
Yorkshire got 521. Local lad Adam Lythe, he's from Whitby down the road. He got 183. Johnny Tattersall got 180. Whenever I hear the name Johnny Tattersall, I always think of Albert Tatlock from Coronation Street, who probably <laughs> would be about 180 now. Uh, there was four for 51 yeah. from Tom Laws. Surrey then got parity. They got 515. Everyone chipped in. Dominic Bess, five for 126. But then Yorkshire struggled to 220. Matthew Waite with 59. There was six for 61 from Jamie Overton. And then Surrey lost six wickets and they were up against it. And this game swung back and forth. It was an absolute classic. But they got home in the final over thanks to Aaron Hardy and Ben Folks. And Martin, these two put on an absolute cracker of a T20 game last week, didn't they? Where Yorkshire won against the odds and now Surrey have won against the odds. They're two real powerhouses of the English game, these two, aren't they? Yes, and I mean, what a fixture to have in in Scarborough as well. Uh, it's a great place to go. I don't know if you've ever been to a game there. I've covered a few Durham matches there. I know Churchy was up there a few years ago with Johnny Barron and they, they stayed in a camper van for the four days. <laughs> and uh, it was quite an adventure for them. Um, from my experience of covering Durham games there, and I think I've covered three county championship matches there over the years, the, the, the nature of the pitch, pitch turns to change when the tide comes in. So you'll have a flurry of wickets with all that saltiness in the air. Then things settle down. Loads of runs are scored. Then the tide comes back in again. And suddenly there you are again. Um, And I looked at that scorecard earlier today and I thought, well, that's probably going to be a draw. There didn't seem like there was enough time in the match for anything to actually happen there other than a draw. But uh, incredible. And I have to say, because I've been so wrapped up in in what happened with Durham because that ended up being a very late draw against Derbyshire. I hadn't realised Surrey had pulled it off um, until you mentioned it a few minutes ago. So uh, a cracking win for them and looking at the, um, you know, some of the best scores of the division have um, been to Surrey this year. They've uh, been doing very well with the bat, two of them against Kent at the Oval and then in Beckingham. Uh, the league table um, looks good in the from their point of view as well, doesn't it? You know, they're up at the top of the table. There's already people saying they can't be caught. Uh, what are we, nine games in, five to play? They've got 165 points. Hampshire have had a decent run of things. They've got 150. Um, some team called Gloucestershire, Dan, down at the bottom. I don't know if you know anything about them. They're on 55, first uh, season up in the, the top division. But yeah, I mean, Surrey have got the money. They've got the wherewithal. They've got the squad. Um, so no surprise, really, to see them up at the top of the table. Yeah, we'll come on to those guys uh, later on in the show. But um, uh, what an absolutely fantastic game. And going back to your point about grounds that behave differently when the tide comes in, I think Folkestone in Kent used to have a reputation like that as well. I think when the tide was out, it was a belting batting track. And when the tide was in, it did all sorts. And uh, Kent haven't played there for about 30 or 40 years. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen a game there. But I know Swansea is similar. You've got that seven estuary right on the doorstep there. I'm not sure how many more games Glamorgan will play in Swansea. But where's the other one? North um, North Wales, where... Um, Colwyn Bay. Colwyn Bay. Some, this, you know, this, that's right on the coast as well, isn't it? So it's interesting that the nature of the environment around these grounds can have an impact on what's happening out in the middle. So it's uh, physics, I suppose, and geology. Yeah. Are you a fan of an outground? Yes. Um, I noticed this week that um, Lancashire have been playing at Southport against Somerset. We were there six years ago and it was absolutely blisteringly hot. 
commentating on the steps of the pavilion in the corner of the ground, no shade, melting. And at one point, one afternoon, it was so hot, all of our equipment started to fail. The computers turned themselves off iPads were closing down. Um, we had to get some boxes from the ground staff to put over the kit just to keep the um, the ISTM machine from boiling over. Uh, that was a fantastic game in 2016, which Durham just edged in the uh, the last hour of the match. Uh, great atmosphere that week, and yeah, I really think there's a there's a great thing about our grounds. Durham went went to play Lancashire in Southport three years ago, and then it, um, because of very because of the World Cup. Lancashire didn't have enough time to send their ground staff to Southport. So the match was moved to Sedbra in Cumbria, Sedbra School, beautiful school in the, in the Howgill Fells. And that was just an absolutely fabulous week. Commentating on cricket with an incredible view of the Howgill Fells around you, 1,600 feet above Bow Fell. One photographer climbed all the way up there one day to get a photograph of the game. And surprisingly, the weather was good. And I remember at the end of that week, just thinking what a privilege it had been to commentate on a game in such a wonderful location. Well, Martin, you've moved me seamlessly on to the next game because we go to another seaside outground at Southport where it was blisteringly hot. And Somerset got... 446, Lewis Goldsworthy 130. Lancashire then responded with 624 for nine. Keaton Jennings 318, Luke Wells 109. They put on an opening stand of 186. There was five wickets there for Roloff van der Merve. And there was an intriguing final day where it could have gone anyway, but Lewis Goldsworthy again with 73. He saved the game as Somerset finished on 213 for seven. Martin, you know Keaton Jennings from his time at Durham. Yeah. He's had a bit he had a bit of a rough time at England. Is is he capable of filling that opening berth again for England? Uh, it's it's an interesting one because the year in which he broke into the England team, he had an absolutely fantastic season with Durham. Um, there was obviously talent there, but every year he got into the Durham side and then by mid-season he was struggling for runs and would end up playing for the seconds. And that particular season, 2016, I think he started off with 100 in both innings in the first game against Somerset and never looked back. Broke the record for the most centuries in a in a season for Durham, which I think was seven. Uh, became the first Durham player to finish as the leading run maker in the county championship and won the Cricket Writers Player of the Year award. And then became only the fourth England player to score a century on the first day of his test career. And that was a weird one because I was driving into Newcastle that day. It was December time, I think. And it was it was a rare occasion where it was actually snowing because I know you think we're in the frozen north, but we rarely get snow here. And I'd been sent to cover a story at an auction house in Newcastle where a cricket bat, which originally belonged to WG Grace, was being auctioned off. And of the four players to get a century on the first day, of their test career with England, WG Grace was one of them. And I'm in this auction house in Newcastle watching this cricket bat being auctioned off while Keaton Jennings got, uh, I think it was 117 or something like that. And um, <coughs> I rang his father just to, to say, you know, congratulations. And his dad missed it because he was on holiday in a villa and there was a power cut. So the power went off when Keaton was on about 95 or something like oh, that. And no. when the power came back on, he was walking off the pitch, having got out for it was either 107 or 117, something like that. So his dad never saw the moment where he got his <laughs> century. 
And that ended up becoming the story. I tweeted it and a number of the national cricket writers picked up on it. But Keaton's a great lad. That that knock 300 to 18, was it? I think he got Yeah, 318, yeah. Um, the fourth highest score by a Lancashire player and the best since Neil Fairbrother got a, a 300 in 1996, I think it was, something like that. So, 1990, an incredible I think knock. it was. Yeah. yeah. But there's just been far too many of these high-scoring draws. Yeah, uh, far too many this season. The balls are not hard enough. They're going out of shape, and they're, they're softening. And I've interviewed the chairman of the English Cricket Balls Company, and he's given me varying reasons why he thinks that's happening. The tracks are flat. They're slow. It's been very dry, and I think all of this is um, having an impact. And I, I saw yesterday on the, the the County Cricket Matters Facebook page. Somebody who'd been at the first three days of the Sussex-Leicestershire game, which ended in a high-scoring draw. One of the thousand runs in the first two innings there, wasn't it? Um, not going back to watch day four today, they'd had enough. They were mm-hmm. bored. The few people were saying, well, you should be going back to enjoy the cricket. But this person was like, no, it's not for me. So lots of very high-scoring games this year. Some big numbers, but not a year for the bowlers. No, no, it's... Uh, I think we've we've described it as bowling averages going up like our energy bills. So uh, yeah. anyway, let's move on to Southampton. Warwickshire were the visitors there, 217. There was 56 for Dominic Sibley, 63 for Nathan McAndrew, and 5 for 45 there from Kyle Abbott. Hampshire responded with 370 for 9, 99 for Ian Holland, 92 for Liam Dawson, the man who's uh, not exactly popular down in Gloucestershire, but uh, that's a story for another day. There was five wickets again for Oliver Hannan-Dorby. He's been in the wickets all season. Warwickshire then... 243, only Michael Burgess really troubled the scorers. 58, there was four for Keith Barker. And then Hampshire knocked off the 90. They needed two down. Hampshire, they're right up Surrey's tails, aren't they? Yeah. um, I know a few people tipped them to win the title last year and they had a good start and then they faded away. Um, I don't know if, if they have the wherewithal to see it through to the end this year but I mean they're up there or thereabouts and just looking Gubbins has got what 606 runs Dawson 500 uh, Ben Brown former Sussex players on 597 so they, they, they you know they're getting some strong numbers on the board aren't they and I mean Keith Barker he's now had 38 wickets this season um, he must be about 45 by now isn't he Keith <laughs> Barker he's been doing it for fun for years hasn't he he was Absolute nemesis of Durham. I think he took 50 championship wickets against them in about four years. Um, former professional footballer as well. Yeah, so not many of those nice around. No, but it's uh, <clears throat> it's nice to see him still playing at the highest level in the county championship. And I mean, in this game, of course, against his former club, he spent quite a number of years at Warwickshire. Uh, so yeah, well, well done them. Um, I mean, there's still five games to go, so anything could happen. And, it, you know, it depends how many of these teams have got to play each other again. But at the moment, looking at the league table, Surrey 165, Hampshire 150, Lancashire are at 137. It's just a little bit further away, isn't it? And then Essex 118 seem to be quite a long way behind. But Essex have only played the eight. And, of course, you can pick up 24 points for a win, can't you? So... Yeah, you know what? One bad game for Surrey, a good win for Hampshire and Lancashire. Who knows that they're all back in the mix? But I don't think Surrey are running away with it. Certainly not at this stage. They're only fifteen points clear, and that could be turned around in a game. 
Yeah, I think uh, you're right about Keith Parker. I mean, Keith Barker. I mean, everyone is looking at Abbott and Abbas, aren't they, in their lineup? And Keith Barker's come in, but um, Hampshire have got the might of Gloucestershire next week up at Cheltenham. So uh, let's see what right. happens there. Oh, that'll be a brilliant week. I did the <laughs> Cheltenham Festival in 2018, and we're talking about the heat waves and the weather warnings this coming week, and it was absolutely blistering hot there that week. Did the game with Bob Hunt. We were up on the balcony at the side of the the hall at Chester, uh, at, at Cheltenham. And it, it was just, we had this tarpaulin above us, but we were just melting every afternoon. And it never got below 20 degrees, even on a night time. And going to the cricket ground on the morning, I was going down the back lanes and I was choosing the lanes which were in shade because <laughs> even at nine in the morning, it, it was oppressively hot and plenty is plenty as far as I'm concerned. But you could have some big temperatures there next week, which would be a challenge, uh, not just for the players, but for you as commentators as well. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to working out of a marquee on Tuesday in 36 degrees. But there you go. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, moving on to Gloucestershire, they went to, uh, they went to Essex and uh, they got Simon Harmard. Uh, Gloucestershire were all out for 136, just the five wickets for Simon Harmer then. Uh, Essex, 310. Sir Alistair Cook, 145. He just keeps churning them out, doesn't he? Wesley got 90, and there was five wickets there for Zafir Gahar on a pitch that took spin. Gloucestershire then responded in the third innings with 252. Zafir Gahar, 81. Simon Harmer, 8 for 112. Essex then knocked off the 79 required for the loss of Sir Alistair, only to leave them winning by nine wickets. Simon Harmer, Martin, the best yeah, overseas four... signing ever? No, I'll give over. There's been lots of good overseas signings over the years, haven't there? And if you use the word ever as well, you're banned from using the word ever. Um, <laughs> Harmer, 40 wickets this season's not bad, is it? But I think when uh, Matty Potts was called up by England, he had 45. And then all I heard during the first test at Lords was, I can't believe this is only a Division Two player. But yeah, Harmer last year did a job on Durham twice. Um, great, great player, particularly at Essex. He knows the conditions, you know, the peripheries of the boundary and that kind of thing. He works well in the confines of it, of what is quite a small ground. Alistair Cook this year now, that's his fourth century. And he's averaging 50, 658 runs. How old is he now? He must be, what, 39, something like that. Let's have a look. I'm going to be shocked by how young he is, still, aren't I? Younger uh, than me and you, Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 37. Um, retired from Test cricket three years ago now. Maybe that, three years ago. And, you know, when you saw a lot of the, the former England captains retire, like um, Michael Vaughan retired and that was it for cricket. He didn't really go back to Yorkshire and a few others did. But Alistair Cook still fe- felt he had a lot to offer the game. And continues to play for Essex and continues to deliver. And he's he's still one of the top-class batsmen. Um, brilliant to see him continuing to churn out these runs. And I mean, he's way ahead of anybody else in the Essex side here this year. He's, he's more than 200 runs ahead of his nearest rival, Tom Wesley. So incredible figures. Um, I hadn't realised that he was best mates with Steve Harmison. And here's a funny little story for you. A few years ago, Last year of Harmy's contract at Durham, he'd signed this four-year contract. He was loaned out mid-season to Yorkshire. And I realised I had a rare weekend off. And I messaged him and asked him if there was any chance he might be able to get me and my wife a couple of tickets for an England test against South Africa at Headingley. 
And he said, oh, I should be able to, to do that, see what I can do. So uh, anyway, he texted me later to say, I've managed to get you a couple of tickets. Great. So me and my wife turned up with a backpack, packed lunch, all the rest of it. And uh, we had to collect the tickets from the reception in the indoor school. And when I yeah. got there, I uh, told the lady who I was, she said, oh, yeah, can you have your wrist? I said, what do you want my wrist for? She said, to put the, the band around. I said, what band? And she said, do you band? And I said, I said, all right. So I handed her my wrist and she wrapped this band around. It was a VIP suite. I thought, what, what's this? And then she said, uh, you and your wife are in the VIP suite upstairs. Uh, there's some nice food on there, free bar. And I said, wow, Harmy's done well here. And then she said, Alistair hopes you have a good day. And I said, Alistair who? And she said, the captain. And I said, what captain? She said, Alistair Cook, the captain. And I said, these tickets are from Alistair Cook. And she said, yeah, there's a letter in there for you. And when I opened it up, it was, uh, hope you enjoy the day. Uh, all the best. Nice to see you've come down to watch the game. La-da-da-da. And I can't believe this. Went upstairs, sitting next to the chief executive of Nottinghamshire. Some top guy from Sky Sports was sitting with us as well. We had this cracking day. I don't ever, I don't know what happened to the pack lunch. We never got near that. Um, brilliant, brilliant days worth of cricket. And when I, I rang Harmy back up later on, I said, "Well, you've really spoiled us there. How did you manage that?" And transpired, and I didn't realise that him and Alistair Cook had roomed together for years, and Alistair Cook was the godfather of Harmy's son. Well, so there's your connection. So wow, a free day out in Leeds. Well, fantastic bloke and a fantastic batsman, isn't he? So, anyway, let's move yeah, on to and Canterbury. And still going and probably will for a couple of more years. Yeah. Let's move on to Canterbury and a huge win for Northamptonshire. Uh, Northamptonshire got 303. Emilio Gay, he's really easy on the eye. He's a good player. He got 112. Kent then responded with 335. There was four apiece for Sanderson and White. They sound like a firm of chartered accountants, but uh, there are a couple of bowlers there for North Hans. <laughs> North Hans then, 396 for eight. Ryan Rickleton, 133. He's been a really good signing. And then Kent fell into the K-hole. Five for Keogh, five for Kerrigan. The last four batsmen out for North, And a huge, huge win in the relegation battle down there. Uh, Martin, Northamptonshire, we, we saw yes. Emilio Gay. We, we covered a game over there last year between us. And uh, he's he's a decent player, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, um, look at look at this table. Eight matches, one win. That's, so that's Northampton's first win. So that just shows you that's propelled them up the table there. I'm not surprised where Gloucestershire are or Kent are. I, and Northampton have, have found they're going tough. I'm, I'm a little bit surprised to see where Yorkshire are, really. Uh, Somerset, to me, are the surprise package. They're in the middle of that relegation scrap at the moment they might have the wherewithal to get out of it they've been struggling with the bad haven't they but I mean that's a big win for North Hans but again you know Durham have played nine matches now and drawn six North Hans have played eight and drawn six there's been an awful lot of draws this year so they've they've only lost the one and only won the one North Hans but it just shows how many draws there are and if you can get that win under your belt that can just catapult you up the table so they've got a bit of um, breathing space now they're 13 points away ahead of Kent, who are third bottom in with 90. And Somerset got 72, Gloucestershire 55. So uh, looking at the table at the moment, Gloucestershire and Somerset have got their work cut out to try and get out the fixes there, and particularly Gloucestershire. But North Hans, I was there a few weeks ago for the T20. You know, Andrew Rad is uh, the, the commentator there these days. He's a walking compendium of North Hans, a uh, lovely bloke. Um, so he'll be over the moon with that win today. More than happy with that win, I'm sure. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, just to round up the table from Division 1, so Surrey 165, Hampshire 150, Lancashire then third on 137, Essex just behind the pack on 118, and then you've got Northamptonshire 103, Yorkshire 101, Warwickshire 95, Kent 90, Somerset 72, and Gloucestershire, who uh, unfortunately are marooned on 55, but... uh, Mm. You know, I think I blame um, the commentator. I blame the commentator as well, mate. I blame him as well. It's going to be interesting because no one knows about next season how it's going to go. And if there are three groups of no. six, then I'm expecting the top two from Division Two to join that second group and the bottom four. And Warwickshire, last season's champions, have dropped into the bottom four. So it'll be interesting. Anyway, let's move on to Division Two. And it was Merchant Taylor's school. And one Middlesex fan, never mind Merchant Taylor's, thought they batted like a bunch of merchant bankers. <laughs> they were 188 all out. Luke Holman, the only saving grace there, was 62. Worcestershire, the visitors responded with 191. Uh, Ed Bernard, again, in the run, 69. It was four mm. for Toby Roland Jones. Uh, Middlesex then, 240. Luke Holman, again, top scorer with 46. And they were set a tricky total Worcestershire. But it was Ed Pollock with 113 of 77 balls who just smashed it and won the game for Worcestershire. And we're seeing this with the England side now, aren't we, Martin, with people are just going for it and putting the pressure back on the bowlers. And Ed Pollock did exactly that in that game. Yeah, didn't he make a bit of a name for himself as a white ball player at at Warwickshire originally before he joined Worcestershire? I'm trying to picture my match notes from a few weeks ago, but... um, yeah, and I mean, Ed Barnard got 100 at Durham a few weeks ago as well. He's batting, he's, he's playing well, Ed Barnard. He's uh, He's got some good uh, scores under his belt this year. Yeah. Um, Worcestershire, they're, they're a funny team, aren't they? They're sort of a bit hot and cold, but at least they've got, got a bit of hot every now and then. Um, Barnard, by the way, is at the top of their averages at 73. So he's hit, he's hit 734 runs. He's one of the leading run makers in Division 2 at the minute. And um Three hundreds and four fifties, uh, averaging seventy three point four, highest score one hundred and sixty three not out. Uh, Brett Oliveira's got three uh, hundreds under his belt as well. Jack Haynes, uh, Pollock. That is uh, what did you say? He got for one hundred and thirteen today. Was it one hundred and thirteen or seventy seven? It yeah. was yesterday. So it finished yesterday. Yeah. yeah. So that's his high. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah. That's his highest score of the season, and that's his second century. But um, yeah, I think they were they were putting a lot of um, weight on Pollock's shoulders when he made that switch across the West Midlands. But um, Middlesex, what's the crack with them? I mean, uh, you know, they're nomadic for one thing. Yeah. You know, uh, Merton Taylor's, it's over in three days. I'm a little bit worried about my mate Kevin Hand. What's he doing with all these spare days off? All the, all the money he's losing, you know. Well, he's got plenty of it, Martin. <laughs> well, yes, allegedly. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is the period of the year where they're all at the outgrounds, aren't they now? And um, this is the one that I think is fascinating when you hear about suggestions of franchise cricket in the county championship and going to the big clubs. And so Surrey get a, get a franchise and Notts and whoever the test venues, but Middlesex don't own that ground. They're lodgers. And the yeah. last thing I remember 
they were they put plans in to build a new ground in Barnet of all places. I mean, Barnet, Dan, really? Do you know any? Do you have? Do you have you ever been to Barnet? Yeah, I've been there once or twice, mate. I've been there once or twice. <laughs> well, there, there's something going on at Merchant Taylors because I think that they've got a new indoor centre being built, and I think they've they've they're announcing something. I don't know if they've announced it already or if it's imminent. But uh, there's an indoor school going, and I believe that Middlesex might be trying to base themselves there and put their academy. Because there's like, I don't know if you've ever been there, but there's about eight pitches, ten no. pitches there. It's, it's right. unbelievable so it's a big, facilities. Big area then, yeah. 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 But it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's not universally popular with the fans. Um, some fans really like it. Others aren't so sure, you know, but um, uh, Middlesex are, are struggling. They've lost two games now within three I mean, where is, it ge- where is it geographically? Northward. Is it down? So, northwest London. Where? Northward. Northwest London. So, is it off towards Heathrow around that way somewhere, is it? Yeah, north? a little bit further north, though. So, Bushy, Rickmansworth, Northwood, that sort of area. Ooh. So, fringes yeah. of, well, it's Hertfordshire way then, isn't it? Really? It's on the border. Yeah, yeah it's on the border. But uh, Moore Park mm. is the nearest station where the, uh, where the golf course is. So, um, yeah, but Middlesex, right. you know, when, when we sort of met up at Lords the other week and uh, we saw the Durham game, they were flying, but they have uh, they need to start yeah. winning again. Because that's Have they lost two of the last three or three of the last four? Two of the last three within three within three days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. And yeah. they, they, like Durham, have done their usual struggle in the T20 as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, moving swiftly on, <laughs> let's go. Let's go to uh, a pitch which was flatter than the worst pint of Hofmeister that you ever ordered in the 1980s in a Sunderland nightclub, Martin. And that was I, a never, I never did. That was at Hove, right? Sussex, 588. Yeah. Tom Allsop, 150. Callum Parkinson there got five for 128. Leicestershire responded with 756 for four. So let's go through this. Rishi Patel, 99. Louis, Kim, Louis Kimber, 104. Colin Ackerman, 277. Vian Mulder. 235. They put on a partnership of 479. Delray Rawlins went 49 overs, none for 223. Sussex then responded with 220 for one, with Ali Orr 106 for the game ran out of time. Martin, uh, Colin Ackerman, Vian Mulder, I mean, they're fans, they'd make brilliant English players in the England side, wouldn't they? But they're South African. Yeah, well. That doesn't stop them normally. Um, that, to me, just looked really... I don't know how I would have commentated on that. You mu- it must have been such a challenge when there was nothing in it for the bowlers at all. And then imagine bowling all those overs and going for all those runs. What's going on there? That was that was the match where I said somebody didn't want to go back for day four. It was so dull. Um I think that one ended, didn't it? Because they had to get the steam packet home. Is that right? It was a, one In of those South timeless Africa, tests. The timeless test, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes. So, I mean, how many days would they have played there in Hove before they got a result other than a draw? Uh, so, I think, oh, think they'll be going at Christmas. The, um, well, the other thing about that, we were trying to work out today how many double hundreds they've been involving Sussex this year. And I mean, they've been a lot, I think. Adrian Harms, the Sussex commentator for the BBC, has probably seen about seven. 
Um, Pajar has got a couple, two or three, I think. Uh, Haynes has got a double hundred as well. But it's not just um, what Sussex have scored; it's teams visiting them. I know there were there was a double hundred from Durham down there, um, and there was okay, a double hundreds involving Derbyshire down there as well. So it has been a road at Sussex this year, hasn't it? Um, is it good for cricket? I don't know. Uh, uh, where are they? Well, Sussex are still near the bottom. You know, they have now had four draws and four defeats from nine matches. The one win, like one win, like Durham have as well. So they're not too far behind Durham. They've got ninety-three points, but I'm not sure if this all this very high-scoring, one-sided in favour of the batsman games are good for the game. To be honest with you, and no, people aren't used to it. That's the other thing. I agree. In fact, I and think also it, it suggests gone. that it suggests that uh, well, it suggests that there was never anything wrong with the English batting, doesn't it? Really? Yeah. All this I talk about how it was the county championships fault that England were doing so badly. I think the best games of cricket are when the bowlers are slightly on top, not too much, but probably fifty-two, forty-eight in the bowlers' favours, and I think they make the best games of cricket. Um, I mean, it's it's just, I mean, it's really hard to commentate on games like that. We had one at uh, Gloucestershire earlier in the season where Surrey got 603 and then Gloucestershire responded with 426 for two. And thankfully, it pissed it down with rain on day four and we all went home. But uh, I yeah. had to use up all my stories, Martin. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It rained for a family audience. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. Right, let's go to Cardiff, which is uh, a place where... It's known to rain occasionally, but there was no rain this time. Glamorgan got 318. Nottinghamshire then responded with 285. Matthew Montgomery, he sounds like a, an American detective, doesn't he, from the 70s. Matthew Montgomery, PI. He's actually a South African. He's 22 years old. He got 86. Glamorgan then got 421 for five. Uh, a chap called Eddie the Mute Byram, as Jack Brooks said in the last show that we had, he got 144. Sam Northeast got 100 as well. Nottinghamshire then responded 259 for four. Joe Clark, 95, before the game ran out of time. But Nottinghamshire look like they're going to walk the league, don't they, Martin? Yeah, uh, Dave Bracegirdle's going to be on Bearer the Bill again in a few weeks' time, isn't he? Uh, they've got a, they're way up at the top. They're 21 points clear and... They've uh, picked up some good results recently as well. Um, Glamorgan, I think they've done well with some of their sidings, and particularly Sam Northeast. I think he still has a lot to offer county cricket, and I was chatting to him at the start of the season when Durham were down there, and he was after a new challenge, and I think they saw him as a key signing, and I think he will be a really good signing for Glamorgan. He's just given them a bit of backbone in the middle order, and he comes in, and if wickets have fallen and you know players have been struggling... He just brings a bit of stability and just calms things down. And Ari, you know, I've, this is a lad I've seen playing for years. I think I, I saw his debut against Durham in 2007 in Canterbury. And I remember talking to his mum at the time. And he's gone off and had a, a great career since then. He was at Hampshire for a few years as well. So I think Glamorgan have done well bringing him in. Um, and Nottinghamshire, well, you know, they've got a big squad, haven't they? Probably a lot more players at their disposal in this league than anybody else has so it should count and it's bizarre that they went on such a bad run and never won a match for 33 games in first class cricket something like that yeah how did that happen you know they, 
they kept going up into the Division One and coming straight back down again, or at least they did it uh, on one occasion. I remember possibly two. And I was just trying to think, well, why why are they struggling? But, but they now seem to have it sorted. And um, there's a few people don't want them to go up. I'm not one of them. I mean, uh, you know, I like going to Nottingham, Chef. You know, no, quite. Some of the players are all canny lads, you know. Um, and I know Dave Bracegirdle, the the Radio Nottinghamshire commentator, would be absolutely over the moon if they get up this year. So I have no grudge against them at all. Um, Glamorgan, though, are now just a point behind Middlesex, so that makes things interesting. And mm. there's a group of teams there with Worcestershire and Derbyshire not too far behind either, really. Durham are just a little bit further adrift and they're not winning games. So, uh, where have we got? Leicestershire haven't won a match. Sussex have won one. Durham have won one. The draws column for the, the teams near the bottom Derbyshire five, Durham six, Sussex four, Leicestershire four. And it's those teams up near the top who found a mythology in which to win games this year on slow pitches that are not really offering much for the bowlers, not came up and beat Durham quite easily um, earlier in the year. And they've won five. They're winning games when other teams are drawing. Their, their draw column's only got three in it, so and they've only lost the one. So you would think they would be up at the top all season. And they've just opened that little gap, 21-point gap. That's not bad, is it? That's big at this time of year. Can you do me a favour, though? Mm. At the Cricket Writers' Dinner this year, can you not sit me next to Dave <laughs> Bracegirdle? Because he will be unbearable, especially if Middlesex mug it. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know how you ended up next to him last year. <laughs> I tried to keep him away from everybody from the South, to be honest with you. But um, <laughs> yes, he, was, uh, he had to go and collect a... Um, an award on behalf of Luke Fletcher, didn't he? That, that he did, was one yeah. of the things he had to go and do. And I mean, Fletch still, still doing the business, isn't he? He's a, he's a great lad, Luke Fletcher, and a, a really good bowler, proper county player, you know, with Nottinghamshire running through his veins. Can't fault the lad as a cricketer at all. And indeed, he's he's good crack as a as a person as well. Yeah, we had him on the show last year, and he was he was wonderful value. Anyway, let's move on to Chesley Street. We've gone and saved the best for last. Oh, I've just spent four days there. <laughs> Derbyshire, two hundred and eighty-three. Uh, Leus deploys that. You say his name, Leus? Yeah, yeah. yeah he he got one hundred and twenty-two. Andrew Dahl, ninety. Rushworth, yeah. seven for forty-four. Durham then 296. Thomas McIntosh, uh, I think it was his debut, he got 51. Derbyshire then 398 for eight. Brooke Guest 116. Deploy again 134. Four for Rushy. But Durham held on thanks to a chap called Stanley McAlinden who just conjures up images of a 1920s footballer. Middle parting, brill creamed down <laughs> to the side with a moustache. I mean, uh, there's Who's a couple of new lads there. Blackpool. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of new lads there, Macintosh and MacLinden. Yeah. yeah, and funnily enough, they both live together. So um, Tom Macintosh, 19-year-old wicketkeeper batsman from Edinburgh, has uh, played for Scotland under 19. He's played for the Grange Cricket Club. Yeah, in the uh, the the league of Scotland cricket league, uh, came to Durham's academy. Because I mean, where we are, we're a hundred miles away from Leeds, so you know Durham cast their net far and wide. So they're going up into Scotland, they're going across to Cumbria. Liam Travaskis, who faced 114 balls today, Durham were six down with 31 overs to go. 
got themselves into a total muddle on an absolutely sedate pitch with some pretty poor cricket, to be honest with you, around about tea time. Derbyshire looked like they might win, but I'm still looking at it and thinking, well, just bat sensibly on this track, you'll see the game through. Liam Travaskis, 114 balls, something like 19 not out. Um, McIntosh got a 50 in the first innings, 51, and then came out today and he looked absolutely like he'd been playing cricket at the highest level in county cricket for years and years and years. Just looked completely unruffled. He made 28 today, but importantly, soaked up 68 balls before he was eventually out. And then Stan McAlinden came in, faced 27 balls, hit some nice shots, played, got a few boundaries, made 18. And uh, they eventually shook hands with two balls of the game left. It was a match that toed and froed. Every morning there were a few wickets. Mid-afternoon, the game dies down. Then the new ball comes, a few more wickets. And, and that was the pattern it followed all the way through. Durham had a bit of a disaster in their first innings. And then the final three wickets were worth 154 runs when McIntosh got his uh, 51. Um, and they ended up with a fractional lead of 13. And then yesterday, that massive partnership from Duploy and Brooke Guest. And this is the second game in a row at Chesley Street where players have got centuries together. So against Worcestershire in the last match, which was also a high-scoring draw, Ben Rain and Paul Coglin got their first county championship centuries in the same over. In the Worcestershire innings, Ed Barnard got to 100 and Brett Dolavira got to 100. But sadly, Dolavira, having got to 100, was out. And it was the next over when Barnard got there. But they chased each other all the way through the 70s, the 80s and 90s. And then yesterday, the same thing happened with Deploy and Brooke Gaston. They put a big partnership together, 248, I think it was. And it just changed things. And then Durham was set 386 today. Well, you're not going to do that. Uh, there were 64 for none at lunch, but you're not going to chase that score. That's 47 more than anybody's ever chased. And the team with the highest run chase at Durham was Yorkshire in 2013. And that included 182 from some kid called Joe Root. I don't know whatever happened to him. <laughs> he disappeared into obscurity again. But there was never a case of Durham chasing those totals today. But it was about just batting for 84 overs. Probably not even that three or four wickets down, shaking hands on a draw with a final hour, got themselves into a bit of a pick all around T. They're seven down with uh, nine and a half overs to go. So obviously Derbyshire continue to press on because they think they're going to win the game. They've got so many players around the bat. You've got four short on the leg side in catching positions, three short on the offside, a leg slip, a leg, uh, you know, a leg gully, uh, slips are in, silly point, all the rest of it. Every pressure position you can think of, Travaskas just batted through it. McIntosh batted really well through it. And then Stanley McAlinden batted really well through it. Stan's 18 years old. He's a fast bowler. This is his first game. And there was a feature on BBC Look North last night, I think it was, because his dad, Mark, is a colleague of mine. He is the Cumbria correspondent for the BBC and has one of the most beautiful patches in Britain to cover. And, um, you know, he's been messaging me because he's been working most of the week. Couldn't get there on day one. So I was keeping him in touch with what was happening. McAlinden was on a hat-trick as well at one point. Didn't get there, but um, he's just a young kid, first game, and he will have taken a wealth of experience out of that match and the opportunity that he had there this week. So I think we'll see him again in the near future. And, you know, that's how Matty Potts started the odd game here and there. And look where Matty Potts is now. Yeah, Marcus North, I think, is doing a cracking job out there. He's unearthing talent after talent. And England are taking that talent. I mean, you had three in the England side with Lees, Potts, Stokes. And 
it's obviously quite a big gap to fill, isn't it? Well, it is. Bryden Cars is playing in this one day at yeah. day, which England have won. Uh, Reese Topley's taken the the best week there. Hall for an England player in a one day, hasn't he? Mark Wood's injured. Um, <coughs> I've just endured a really miserable T20 campaign again, and it's never been a, a format that Durham have been particularly comfortable with or successful with over the years. They lost 10 matches this year, which is their joint worst. And the last time they lost 10 was the year after they'd been relegated and they lost half their squad. Homegrown talent went off to other teams. I think what it exposed is they're not, they don't have enough players of a sufficient calibre to be able to cover when the likes of Alex Lees and Matty Potts, who, you know, the latest cab off the rank, are in the England setup. And this is a concern for the club because it's still a small squad and they're still, you know, recovering from that financial crisis they found themselves in. Yeah. It wasn't just it wasn't just 2016. It came to a head in 2016, but it had been rumbling along under the surface for for some time. So, mm. um, I there's a few player, you know, there's one or two senior players who I think might be leaving at the end of this year. I think Ned Eckersley's apparently planning to do a law degree. Um, yeah. So good luck, good luck to him. Um, but yeah, I mean, it need you need the next group of players coming through. So it's nice to see that somebody like Tom McIntosh, second team wicketkeeper batsman, is there and can do the job he's done in this game. And surely he can only press on from there. Uh, Jonathan Bushnell's come through the ranks recently and has been playing and has done quite well. Um, Stanley's had his first game. There's a few of the younger players. Uh, I'm I'm just interested to see who will be in the frame when the one-day cup comes along because there was players like Luke Denethi made a name for themselves last year, but not really heard much about him this season. And don't know what how good his form's been in the seconds and, and there may have been some injury issues as well. But um, it was nice to see the next group of players coming through from the academy and playing in the first team last year and doing well because Durham did really well in that one-day cup last year and they were scoring runs for fun. They managed to keep the major part of their batting, which was important, but the young lads who came in in the bowling attack did well as well. So, I mean, I'm interested to see how they'll do in that because they've generally been an okay-ish team in the one-day cup. They've won it twice. They've been uh, in a final and a semi-final as well. So, uh, it will be interesting to see how that pans out. Yeah, well, fingers crossed because I think everyone's got a lot of time for Durham and uh, I think a lot of people think that they were harshly treated possibly by the ECB a few years ago. Anyway, wrapping up, Division 2 is the table. Well, Nottingham I, would, I wouldn't argue with you over the use of the word possibly, <laughs> but uh, that's another matter. That's uh, you know There are people at Durham who say that's water under the bridge, but I, I knew what was going on at the time. And when I saw what happened to Durham, I thought this was going to be a five or six year situation for them to try and turn things around. And it has been that. I mean, obviously, we didn't know COVID was coming along. But I do worry now that if Durham end up towards the bottom of Division 2 this year and then they end up in a Division 3 next year, um, how will they attract the, the decent players that they're going to need to get them up to that next level? And that is yeah. a worry. Yeah. Well, they are third from bottom. Nottinghamshire top, 159. Middlesex then 138. Glamorgan 137. Worcestershire 127. Derbyshire 124. Durham 111. And then you've got a big gap down to Sussex on 93 and then Leicestershire on 66. So that wraps up another nine-game 
bumper edition of County Cricket Natters. Martin, you've been fantastic. You know what I love about, you know, we, we do this by Zoom and it shows a difference in climate here because the <laughs> South has been in 30 degrees and I'm sitting here in a T-shirt and a pair of shorts. Yeah. And I'm Martin, Martin's warm. in three layers there. I'm not in three layers. Right. Can you see that picture through the window there? Yeah. Broad daylight here. Have you got the curtains drawn because it's dark in the deep south? No, it's all right. Look, Look that's it's, dusk. Right. It's, a blue, it's a bluey dusk. Yeah it's, yeah, it's getting there. It's it's dusk, yeah. But uh, listen, go and have a lovely evening on the Roca Riviera. And, yes, uh, uh, I might nip along the pub because it's music night tonight. It's a, it's a beautiful evening. It's very still now, actually. Um, gorgeous night. We've got the full moon, the yachts outside. So uh, we'll have to try and get you up here, Dan, one night, get you to the get you to the harbour view. I would love to come up there. I'd love to Drink take some... my show pushing the boundaries up to Durham because we'd I just have say a... one 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 point of reference to to what was it, Hofmeister Lager, did you mention? Earlier? Yeah. Follow didn't the they spon- didn't they sponsor Spurs for a while? Um no, that was Holston. 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 Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, in Sunderland, we used to have Vaux Brewery, which was a very successful and thriving brewery when the management team decided to close it down and buy the beer from elsewhere. Um, it was right in the city centre. And if you went into a nightclub in Sunderland in the 1980s, you wouldn't have bought Hofmeister. You would have bought Tuborg or Scorpion Lager oh. if you were a lager drinker. Um, so... Uh, and I did. I DJed in nightclubs in Sunderland in the in the eighties, and I didn't even like nightclubs to be honest with you. And I, I got out of it just before the acid house craze began, yeah. and became it became a sensible presenter on the on the radio instead. <laughs> if you can believe that. Yeah. Well, I'm sure I'm sure they'd have loved my London wit and repartee up there. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, anyway, Martin, you've been an absolute star, and that rounds up another week of county cricket natters. We got some beautiful chats. We got some beautiful stats. And we won't stop talking. We won't give it a rest. And as a matter of fact, it's time to get it off our chests. Cricket, 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 cricket. Podcast Network.